Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Of the 27 books in the New Testament, at least 13 are attributed to St. Paul. That makes St. Paul, in effect, the scribe of our faith. I say scribe because the author would be God, having the Holy Spirit guide Paul in writing it all down. Today we hear from Paul writing to his friend Timothy, who is a young up-and-coming preacher in Ephesus, which we know today as Turkey. Let me just sum up Paul's letter to Timothy and indulge me if it seems pretty simple. I'm pretty simple about some things. Here's Paul's message. Heaven isn't the place where good people go. Heaven is the place where saved people go. Verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Blasphemy, persecution, violence, Those sound like terrible words, definitely not things to which you or I would associate. Blasphemy, speaking or acting disrespectfully of God or sacred things. Persecution, the persistent harassment or annoyance of another. Violence, physical behavior intended to harm. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? I have. Have you ever made fun of someone, been persistently annoying? My older sisters could answer that question about the younger me. (laughs) I have. And while violence is not in my nature, peace is not always attainable to me. So it turns out, I'm pretty close to Paul there on the bleachers, in the cheap seats. In fact, we're all there together. Today we heard the first 10 verses of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. Some of us have at home or remember Bibles that are called red-letter versions, where all of Jesus' words are in red. If we had them out right now, we would see that most of the 15th chapter of Luke is red-letter, because Jesus is mostly doing all of the talking. And today we get two of three important parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin, I'll bet everyone might be able to name the third, the lost son, sometimes known as the prodigal son. Now, I know we've talked about parables in the past. We know that the word parabole means para, alongside, and bole, to throw, to throw alongside something known next to something unknown. Jesus gave us earthly stories to illuminate a heavenly meaning, to put a spiritual truth next to something that is very familiar in order to bring it into our heads and hopefully to change our hearts. In fact, a full third of Jesus' teachings are done in this style. Why? I think there are a few reasons. First, it's memorable. It appeals. I bet when I mention the first three parables in this chapter, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost what? Son? Most every one of you remember at least one of those stories and the spiritual truths that they illuminate. Truth be told, a good story is much more interesting 
than a sermon. And don't bother to look embarrassed in front of me right now. I know it's the truth. If I stood here and got on some tangent about anthropomorphism, everyone might drift off. But if I stand here and say, let me tell you what happened to our dog yesterday at the beach and what my wife Jennifer had to say about it, now I've got you. (laughs) So Jesus knew his audience, and he knew how to get through to them. He chose things that were familiar to them, maybe not so much to us. Can you think of the last time you were invited over to herd some sheep? Who really knows much about shepherds these days? Do you know a shepherd? But Jesus did, and so did everyone else around him. Now, something to note here, shepherds, they were just a couple of rungs above the lowest of the low, the bottom of the social barrel. Below the shepherds were, of course, the tax collectors, considered traitors to the Jewish people because they extorted money from the citizens to give to Rome, minus, of course, their cut. Then below that, the sinners. Ah, yes, they had their own special category of being outcasts, those non-religious, non-important riffraff. The tax collectors and the sinners, though, they're flocking to Jesus. They're having meals with Jesus. They're learning from Jesus, and they are changing their lives because of Jesus. Blasphemy, persecution, violence. I bet some of those things were happening, and Jesus loved them. And he loved them. I think he picked shepherds to talk about on purpose as well, because he loved them too. And the Pharisees, that varsity squad of the religious elite, they can't stand it. They're pretty disgusted, and so we hear them muttering about it at the beginning of our story today. Every single time the Pharisees are mentioned in proximity to Jesus, there's muttering, there's adversity, there's trouble. So a little tidbit about myself and my service experience. When I was in seminary, I worked an entire summer as a bartender. (laughs) See? I've got your attention with the story, right? (laughs) It was some of the best pastoral education I could have asked for. (laughs) But before I attended bar, I also waited tables. And I learned the very hard way that if I failed to charge someone for that very expensive bottle of wine, or if I lost track of desserts served, that would come right out of my paycheck. I promise you, I learned very quickly to know every bottle served, every dessert served, that was my responsibility. I was accountable for that. Back to the shepherds, right? Losing a sheep was serious business to a shepherd, Now, I know some of you have business degrees or years of experience in business. You might be thinking, what? One sheep? That's the cost of business, man. Take care of the other 99. Move on. But not the shepherd. Remember, they were not in charge. They weren't the boss. They were responsible for all of the flock. And if one went missing, well, that was going to come out of their paycheck. Those sheep were, in effect, the shepherd's responsibility, and he was accountable to the master for all of them. Now, you probably know that sheep are not known for their intellect or their aggression. There's no such thing as an attack sheep. (laughs) They're wanderers. They have no sense of direction. There's no such thing as a homing sheep. And when they're lost, 
They're lost. They are passive followers without the drive to fend for themselves. They need to be taken care of. They need a shepherd. So in our story this morning, we have one. We have one who goes out of his way to find the one lost sheep out of responsibility, out of accountability. So this morning, we have something lost. We have a search. And then we have the rescue. And what does that shepherd do when he finds that sheep? He yells and screams, of course, you dumb sheep. What were you thinking to run off like that? I'm going to put this rope around your neck. You're going to follow me whether you like it or not. No, that's not what happens. Our shepherd rejoices. He bends down. He picks that sheep up. He carries it on his shoulders back to the flock. That sheep who might be sitting next to me on those blasphemy beachers. Did I say that right? Those blasphemy, ble- blasphemy bleachers. But the shepherd loves him anyway. He gets him home. He calls his friends to a celebration, a celebration over one sheep who got lost. We could read the very same outline in the parable of the lost coin. A woman loses a coin. She searches and searches until it is found, never giving up, never considering it a goner. She doesn't shrug it off. She doesn't go to the ATM. And then she rejoices. She rejoices when she recovers it. She shares the news with friends and neighbors, and she celebrates. And then I hope you noticed these words In both parables, in each story, joy in heaven over one sinner sinner who repents. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What do you think of when you picture in your mind God? Not Jesus, not the Holy Spirit, but God our Father. I sometimes do an exercise with students, and I ask them to draw God. Mostly, I get the old guy with the beard and the frowny face up in the clouds. But you know, I think that joy is a very overlooked attribute of God. Heaven rejoices when we turn, when we are found, when we are not lost any longer. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. These words from Paul to Timothy are for each and every one of us sitting side by side on the bleachers of humanity. Not one of us being good enough to make it to heaven on our own, with our own attributes. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am. I'm the worst. Amen.